there's always a FinReg Angle, the podcast providing you with the latest news and commentary on financial regulation. Brought to you by Global Custodian. Hello and welcome to the fifth episode of season two of There's Always a FinReg Angle. I'm John Watkins, editor of Global Custodian, and I'm joined virtually as always by a cast of FinReg experts, Sean Tuffy, Virginia O'Shea and Joe Parsons. Welcome back, everyone. Hello. 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 It's been a while, but yeah, good to be back. It's good to be back. So we're starting the show 35 minutes after we said we would. Um, We've got internet (laughs) issues, we've got fan issues, we've got hedges being trimmed in the back. So... I'm so glad we've waited six weeks to, to pick today to do this. <laughs> Always good. <laughs> Any other distractions are welcome. Cats, dogs, uh, other calls coming in. Feel free. I mean, it's uh, prime hay fever season as well, so I'll be sneezing my head off, no doubt. <laughs> good, yeah. There's, there should be a sneeze button, Joe, where you hit oh, yeah, exactly. that. Uh, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I guess this is a summer special today. Uh, it's been a little while since we caught up. Sean, what have you been up to? You know, mostly keeping it real now. Um, so just sort of looking, uh, keeping keeping busy, keeping track of sort of shifting priorities on the regulatory side as sort of events are conspiring a little bit to push regulators in different directions and trying to figure out what that all means. Good. I guess that's the, the name of the game, eh? It pays the rent, you know. <laughs> Virginia, um, how are you? I, I, I won't blame you for us starting 35 minutes after we're supposed to, but you know, you've obviously been busy, uh, you know, leisurely dial into today's podcast. <laughs> I'm always doing something, aren't I? Um, yeah, I've been speaking at lots of different events recently. I'm actually going to be speaking in person next month. So um, I'm actually going into London to speak in actual in real, in real life events. So wow. uh, and I've been doing some prep for that, which is really weird. I don't know what it's going to be like. <laughs> Well, I mean, hopefully relatively normal, <laughs> unless everyone's in glass cases. And... <laughs> we well, never know. You're going to get a lot of stage fright now. We've, we've, they've been so used to just uh, speaking to a screen now. They've got 20 actual faces looking at them. I know. That's going to be weird, actually. Yeah. And, and do you shake hands now or is it just the, el- the awkward elbow bump that they were doing at the, yeah, the G- G7, weren't they? They were doing all these weird yeah. elbow bumping. Yeah. Yeah. But then, then it's really awkward do you what if someone leaves with the elbow what if someone else leaves with the fist and is there like a, a hierarchy where you know if you saw i don't know if we saw a ceo would you would you go and elbow bump them or is it like in asia where you have to kind of bow lower for some people than others is there different types of greetings well if you tried to elbow somebody and they bowed you might take, <laughs> take an eye out so you've got to be careful <laughs> i'm just i'm just i'm just waiting for someone to shake someone's elbow <laughs> That'll be the that'll be the best moment. Well, as, as with all good regulations, this is why we need global standards, guys. Um, <laughs> maybe Swift could come up with some uh, <laughs> some rules for us. Oh, you'll get that at Cybos, no doubt. Yeah, there will be yeah, the official Cybos greeting that you have to do. Yeah. That's true. <laughs> A wink, an awkward wink. Oh. <laughs> or uh, the badge. I mean, the, remember the year? Maybe this is still going, but you you had a button on your badge and you pushed it towards the other person's badge button and both clicked it, and that was like exchanging digital business cards. Oh yes, oh, I remember, remember that. that. Yeah, mm. ahead of its time. It was, but also really awkward because again, you got people leaning yeah. in, so maybe I have to get it on an extended bit <laughs> of elastic to actually work <laughs> this year. Oh, anyway, um, speaking of events, I hope. 
Virginia and Sean, you both got a chance to tune into Global Custodians Leaders in Custody event last week. I caught bits of course, and pieces. I that's the right answer, Sean, Virginia. There's still some pieces to watch. But uh, yeah, good. I'm glad you did. Um, Sean, uh, City representing. I had uh, Pervez and um, uh, Joe, you had a City representative on the Yeah, on the ETF side, yeah. As well as Rita Faber as well. We got a uh, GC Legend Award, didn't we? We did, yeah. It was a big, big, big week for City last week. It was exciting. Good to see. Big contingency. I was saying, I was talking to uh, John earlier. I just, I'm desperately waiting for my induction into the GC Hall of Fame. <laughs> I, I said to Sean, you know, you need a few more uh, wrinkles and gray hairs, but uh, maybe, maybe we can come up with a roadmap. You know, I, I don't think it's an age thing. I think we can come up with a roadmap, Sean, where, uh, you know, just a few objectives to meet over the years. Um, right. You know, box one ticked, actually tuning in to all of Leaders in Custody Week. So it's a, it's a good start. So. 2022. Um, Virginia, you you popped in and out of the event, did you? I did. Yes, I watched a couple of the um, the tech talks and uh, a couple of the award thingies just to see what was going on. I saw that Rito got his award, so that was quite cool. Yeah, yeah, uh, it was a really good podcast. Actually, really enjoyed doing the legends ones. I think we we moved on from you know. Obviously, we talked about the career, but we also talked about, you know, what was a good day? What lessons did you pass on? A bit more of a, a personal side to it. And, uh, yeah, if, if anyone tuned in, you would have seen Joe on camera a lot. Joe, how are you dealing with the fame after all that, that <laughs> camera time? I mean, I mean I've mean, i got ETFs coming out my ears now after after doing that. We've got an ETF survey to do. We've got a couple of webinars and a couple more webinars. I know because I, I see from Sean's... Uh, Tweets. He's a big fan of semi-transparent ETFs, isn't that right? Oh yeah, huge. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, look, I think the semi-transparent ETF uh, revolution will be slow moving. I think so. I think all like I think it's interesting. The obviously it was just announced the other day about uh, Dimensional's big conversion. So I think that's yeah sort of a more interesting development because they went from nothing essentially to the 10th biggest etf provider in the us with by converting four funds so i think that's a, if you have the right profile as a, a an asset manager i think that's probably an interesting idea but the etf space does seem to uh, that's what i get from 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 my conversation that it does seem to be you know at the forefront of getting so many new products out to market um you know mean different investment strategies I mean, yeah, you've got, as Sean mentioned, people are converting mutual funds to, to ETFs. You've got Bitcoin ETFs, of course, my favorite, <laughs> which if, if, it ever comes, if, it ever, if it ever comes to fruition. But, you know, and, and more realistically, ESG ETFs, um, ones tied to healthcare and robotics and, and AI and fintech. So, um, I'm just wait. I'm waiting for them to to make a, a big short movie where they make an ETF out of an ETF <laughs> and uh, do some kind of Margot Robbie comparison. You could fill that role, Joe, the uh, the side. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I thought the ETF panel was brilliant, Joe, on on the Tuesday, and uh, you followed up with a three thousand word feature for us. And uh, within that, I never realised how complex the kind of Bitcoin ETF servicing side is. Um, it, it's not not quite as uh, simple as uh, you know, just do the same thing you do for for other types of ETFs, right? I know exactly. There's 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 things like forks, which is about corporate actions in in a Bitcoin ETF. There's there's, there's a lot of the a lot of the, those 
institutions that are, that are doing fund administration, they have to integrate with sort of specialist third party crypto custodians that, that settle and, and hold the underlying in Bitcoin. There's a lot of moving components, um, which, and, and to be fair, it's a lot really see it more as a, uh, an exchange traded commodity rather than a, an ETF. So maybe something that's very much like a, a precious metals or a, a, a oil or commodities kind of ETF. Um, but yes, yeah, it's, it's a very interesting one, and, and it's and it's interesting seeing what you know some of those big, larger players are doing for this. There's been a lot of crypto bashing by the regulators recently, though, hasn't there? I mean, the Bank of England have been, have been going out and telling everyone it's a, it's a risky asset. We've had the SEC, well, Gary Gensler talking about it, negative frame, and arguing with Hester Pearce on that topic. And you've got um, ESMA or well, some of the EU regulators coming out. The Italy were saying that ESMA is not moving fast enough to regulate crypto and it's too risky. So they're going to start regulating it, Consob, in Italy. So, wow. I mean, it's an interesting one. Um, yeah. It seems to be sort of very contentious in the FinRed, FinRed front. Yeah, I mean, I think that's absolutely right. I mean, I think you look at the regulators are playing, you know, a little bit of catch up um, when it comes to crypto and I mean, in fairness, I don't think anyone's accused ESMA of being fleet of foot when it comes to sort of uh, regulatory change. And in fairness, it's not their domain. It's really the commission that needs to drive that. So I think you will see a lot of national regulators um, <clears throat> in Europe making a push. And then I find the, the Hester Pierce, Gary Gensler, uh, odd couple uh, scenario really interesting when it comes to crypto because you have uh, a, a, a skeptic and a, a super fan sort of on the same commission. So it'll be interesting to see how that sort of plays out. Yeah, they seem to be coming to loggerheads at several issues, right? There was the, um, what's it, the proxy, it's the proxy voting stuff they've also had issues with or um, around AGMs. Um, they're arguing yeah, about as well, yeah, it they, seems like. Yeah, I mean, I think they sort of come from fundamentally different places when it comes to sort of market mm-hmm. regulation. And I think the proxy voting, I think, is one of the issues that a lot of what Biden's under the Biden administration, regulators are doing is sort of undoing the last eight months of Trump's regulatory maneuvers. So I think that sort of gets the hackles up of some some of the regulators as to why why rules that were voted on and approved are being undone. So I think that's one of the sort of things to watch over the next year or so. Yeah, that the, the SEC have been they've been threatened with being sued, right, with some of, by some of the, the um, shareholders at the moment, shareholder groups yeah. in the US. <laughs> so there's reason enough to look reconsider the rules. I would have thought. Oh, absolutely. I mean, that's always one of these things that like is so different about the US and EU regulatory world is that in the US, like regulators get sued all the time. Like if, so, if you look at like mm-hmm. the DOL fiduciary rule, I mean that and ultimately those in trouble anyway with the incoming Trump administration ultimately died because of a, a lawsuit. So I think that is a dynamic. So if you think you're going to go down in a lawsuit, you might as well reconsider the rule and save everyone the heartache. Yeah. Everyone loves a bit of litigation, don't they? Yeah. <laughs> well, lawyers do. So Virginia, you've, you've totally flipped our agenda on its head then and we're going straight to SEC. I feel like we can't <laughs> jump out of it now. So... <laughs> Not only did you hold up our podcast, now you've uh, <laughs> we're into conversation. So let's let's go to the new SEC lineup and the uh, forty nine points. Is it Virginia? They've got to cover over the next year. Yeah, well, it's a, it's a list of rules that they've got in various stages at the moment. There's forty nine items on the list. 
you've got nine final rules, some of which, as we just mentioned, might disappear, but um, a lot of sort of overhang from Dodd-Frank um, related to uh, CEF, swaps, data repositories, Reg NMS, Reg ATS, all the fan favorites, you know, um, <laughs> stuff around proxy voting, stuff around executive compensation disclosure. Those are in the final final rules. These are all sort of lots of them are stemming from Dodd-Frank. Um, just obviously SEC dragged its heels somewhat given how many years ago now was Dodd-Frank. Right. Um, we, we, we've been endlessly waiting for the finalization of some of these things, but it looks like they're nearly, nearly done. Um, and then we've got 36 proposed rules that seem to have been drafted relatively quickly, uh, some of them, including one, which is one of our favourites, is an amendment to the Exchange Act rule that seems to be accommodating a move to T plus one. So uh, that's in, in the proposed rules uh, phase at the moment. Uh, there's some stuff about whistleblowers in there. There's lots of different specific regulations targeting things like securities borrowing, broker-dealer reporting, liquidity stress testing for broker-dealers. Yeah. Sean's favourite money market funds is in there. <laughs> Beneficial ownership disclosure we've got in there. We've got loads on ESG um, for the buy side. Uh, so we've got lots of different amendments as well to current rules related to those. We've got more in on proxy in there. God, it's really proxy heavy. Um, we've got stuff on... Corporate board diversity. We've got a rule that's proposed on cybersecurity already, and then we have four pre-rule stage regulations. So one's on third parties, which I think is around operational resilience, and then we've got a few things that have been slipped in around um, post game GameStop stuff around gamification of trading, and we've got stuff related to the Archegos or however we came up with saying it <laughs> um, around uh, security-based swap reporting. So it's a bumper pack of regulations coming in there. So uh, so many, it's something for everyone, we might say. <laughs> that really is, isn't it? And uh, Sean, I saw in your newsletter, money market uh, fund regulation and uh, and ESG were, were at the top of uh, what you were talking about. So um, yeah, is there, there plenty for you to? to look at in this latest thing from the SEC? Yeah, I mean, obviously there's a there's a ton there. And money market reform, I'll spare you guys this time. We've done it to death. And I mean, it's just more that that's definitely coming. And the big question remains, are constant NAP funds going to be allowed to continue, yes or no? And then from there, <clears throat> all reform follows. And I think the ESG piece is interesting. Um, because there's a bunch there. The SEC has probably done more on ESG in the last four months than it did in the last four years. And I think... Um, sort of in light of the EU sort of having already gone so far down the path with ESG, it really is going to create some challenges for global asset managers. But I mean, at the moment, most of the SEC's focus really is around sort of more corporate disclosures, which I think, frankly speaking, the industry would welcome because they're going to have to uh, do this sort of disclosure reporting and getting the information from companies is hard. So it'd be super, super helpful. But I think it just shows there's definitely going to be some friction, I think, down the path between the EU and the US when it comes to sort of overall ESG frameworks. And I think hopefully, if nothing else, money market reform is a pretty good template because those rules are pretty complementary, um, sort of being thematically the same, respecting the local market. So, I mean, hope against experience here, but, you know, hopefully we'll get uh, some amount of coordination between the, the two regulatory powers. Although the UK has already come out and said it's going to gold plate on the EU standards for the taxonomy for ESG as well, hasn't it? I think so. It's not. It's not just the US that's going in a different direction. Even we're doing it as well here. Right. 100%, <laughs> just to add yeah. to the fun. 
Yeah, I mean, the UK, like, I just find it. The UK's this whole, you know, we're four or five months into Brexit, and the UK is essentially their grand plan of exiting the EU is to create even stricter rules so far, which is sort of an interesting strategy if you're pitching a red tape busting exercise. But yeah, like, I think the UK is a really interesting example. You know, the ESG gold plating, the number of other rules, because managers are going to have to sort of navigate because a lot of asset managers have UK-based operations navigating sort of a, a I, I would say admittedly a quicker divergence between the UK and the EU and then by extension the US how you navigate all of that is going to be really challenging and I think if you're a, a UK domestic financial firm selling you know funds to UK UK funds to UK people and not with a, without a cross-border business it's probably easier but as soon as you start managing USITS funds or what have you it becomes a, a real big challenge. So Virginia, you mentioned the T plus one was on the agenda for the SEC. Where, yeah, where's their involvement in, in kind of pushing that forward when it's something that's already, uh, yeah, already taking place and already in, uh, in action? Well, I mean, I'm not sure it's taken place yet. <laughs> I mean, obviously, <laughs> the, the, the plan. <laughs> that, I mean, we, we'll be talking about it for quite some years, if you ask me. But um, certainly, we've got the industry. Uh, some of the industries bought into it, right? Um, I was on a panel this week for a Swift event on the topic, so. Uh, and I was listening, and I've been listening and talking to a lot of people on the topic, and and, and not everybody is quite as gung ho about it as the people leading the charge. So um, there's a there's a lot of what's the word concern. Let me put it that way in terms of how much investment's going to have to go in um, to post trade side um, on the part of working group members and also those that aren't part of working groups yet um, about how it's it's going to affect their business. There's like a lot of questions about securities lending and securities finance, and could that be um, negatively impacted in terms of a revenue stream? Nobody's really got that sort of um, assessed properly yet, but I think that's another big concern. And everyone keeps saying, um, and Gary Gensler himself has been saying, it's, it's just a step towards T plus zero, hmm. and that's freaking people out even more about... Um, the, the the commercial impact if you get if you uh, sort of restrict securities lending securities financing that kind of stuff is it could be detrimental to to a number of players in the in the US market so is it is T plus zero um, and I'm not talking about real time growth settlement here I'm just talking about T plus zero so settlement on same day because um, that's different um, which it would allow netting and all that but it, it it would restrict the amount of time you'd have to be able to lend securities and the, the ability to do that so that's a huge concern so I, I think there's a lot of questions at the moment and the SEC's role um, in the last round when we moved to T plus two wasn't that formalized it wasn't particularly mm. I mean they, they ratified stuff that the industry put forward but they didn't you know it wasn't like in the EU where we had a regulation compelling it Um whether they have to take steps to, to put it into regulation this time round, uh, it seems like they've got some proposed changes to the Exchange Act. So um, aside from those, I don't think there's going to be any big piece of regulation directly compelling T plus one, but interesting. Did anyone mention on that panel the um, the Paxos uh, initiative in the US? Because I, I, they, they did come out with, I think, a couple of weeks after uh, that, that first hearing that, that, that they, well, they were able to demonstrate uh, instant assessment, and it was, I think it was Instanet and Credit Suisse that, that were able to, you know, do that sort of real time settlement, uh, that same day settlement. It's, it, I mean, it, that's doesn't seem to be the biggest concern. The actual mechanics of same day settlement are possible now. Um, you, I mean, some people do have, you know, 
a lot of their trades settled on on, on the same day. Um, but it, it's not it's it's less that practical side. It's more the commercial impact that people um, are worried about. I would say. Uh, and I mean, obviously, the investment in the back office and stuff. I mean, it, it's all very well to have market infrastructure, but you still have to connect to the market infrastructure, right? And you have to support those real-time risk management processes and collateral management processes and payments and FX and things like that. So um, it's not necessarily the the technology bit that connects one firm to another that's the issue. So, yeah, and, and Paxos wasn't mentioned. I, I kind of steered away, as I usually do, from, from talking about the distributed ledger because um, it's, it's not helpful in this discussion because it's more of a practical of how do we get from where we are, which is a bit of a mess. Uh, to where we need to go. And it's not necessarily just technology that we need to think about. Um, it's, you know, timeframes for stuff as well um, and, and how you deal with various counterparties. I mean, some people are just never going to have the, the budget to spend on some of this stuff either. I mean, you think about the long tail of, of small firms in brokers and, and small asset managers. They're just, why why would they want to be spending huge amounts of money on, on real-time risk management, real-time um, processing? It's yeah, I, mean, issue, I think it's, right? I think even those who are sort of enthusiastically supporting the move, probably about behind closed doors, would, would have preferred Robin Hood never to happen and never have it to raise this as sort of a burning issue that the DTCC felt they needed to tackle. I mean, I think everyone was pretty happy with T plus two, and there wasn't really a big groundswell of support to move to shorten the settlement cycle um, beforehand. So it's sort of interesting to see this as sort of in reaction to market news and how, how this is sort of gaining momentum. But I totally agree that, especially when people say stuff like this is just an interim step at T plus zero, it really freaks people out. And it probably would be helpful if we didn't um, scare the industry um, with that sort of messaging. But I think it will be interesting to see. I think the timeline is incredibly aggressive. And I think, I mean, I, I don't think anyone suspects that will hold. I mean, it's only 18 months away at this point. So I think, um, the other thing, and I don't know if anyone's heard about this. I mean, I haven't heard anything about the EU looking to then match it, right? Because the EU would be at T plus two and the US at T plus one. So I haven't heard of anything in the commission about them looking to sort of do a CSDR two and sort of mandate um, shorter settlement cycles. So that's something to watch out for. Apparently, conversations have been had, right. <laughs> I'm told. But I don't think I don't think it's been sort of prioritized as such. There's enough enough to worry about with other things at the moment. Right. Right. I mean, as you said, like I don't think all things being equal, I don't think anyone in the US would be talking about the move to T plus one had we not had GameStop uh and Robin Hood happen to draw attention to it. Far too coincidental <laughs> how quickly it, uh, it came out afterwards to not be uh, correlated. So, was it? And was, was there anything else from the the, the SEC's forty nine action points that uh, that stood out through the year, um, Sean or Virginia? Um, I mean, just the sheer number of different things that are completely different from each other. I think is the is the issue here. I mean, how are the hell are they going to prioritize all these proposed rules? I don't I don't know in terms of like time frame, um, because it seems a hell of a lot of work for a relatively small group of, of regulators to, to push through. And how long is it going to take to you know actually get them implemented? Um, is another thing to think about. Or also their budget yeah. as well. I mean, have they have they set out the, the SEC's budget to try and do all this? Well, they get, they've been talking about the, the fact they're chronically underfunded. They've been talking about how chronically underfunded they are for forever, I think. But um, that's another point that they've been pushing is is that 
given the new administration has very high ambitions for them bringing themselves mm-hmm. into line with on ESG and things like that, yeah, they'll probably need to have a, an increase in budget somewhere. But whether there's money for that or, or not is a, is a big question, right? Right. Definitely one of those occasions where uh, Gary Gensler could have copy and pasted his CFTC speeches about uh, lack of budget straight yeah. up to SEC ones. <laughs> Which I always find funny. I mean, I, when you compare the SEC and CFTC's budget to European regulators' budgets, it's not exactly uh, small potatoes. Yes. I, I think I did, a, I did a comparison a few years ago, and I think it was like 10 times less the ESMA budget than, than one of the US yeah. regulators. Yeah. Which is, is crazy when you think Esma's trying to regulate 27 countries. Right. Cool. Well, thanks for that. Some good SEC chat. A um, little bit of a roundup of any other regulatory news. Uh, Sean, what's been going on? I mean, the only other, and I say interesting, I'm using air quotes, you can't see it, interesting development uh, is the sort of the, the six month extension on the PRIPS conversion. So for asset managers who have to move to uses, have to adopt the PRIPS kid. It was supposed to be at the end of the year and it's been kicked to June of next year. So that gives the industry a little more time, um, though I think most would prefer to see the Prips kid sort of bought out behind the barn and shot. But that seems unlikely to happen. But that's sort of an interesting development in that, you know, people can sort of deprioritize or reprioritize based on that. I, th- I thought I saw a CSDR update that had absolutely nothing about buying rules in. Was that right? Was it another consultation? Yeah, there was a, there was a, uh, a ESMA update. Um, they 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 wrote to the commission to <laughs> sorry <laughs> the wrong time. Oh, damn it. It's uh yeah, Joe knows too much. It's ESMA at the door. I wonder what it. Oh yeah, yeah. We're gonna we're gonna keep this in, by the way. Oh, yeah, yeah, I've got to. Oh, yeah, <laughs> parcel, live parcel delivery. Do delivery yeah. drivers announce what it actually is in the package? Be... Goddamn UPS guy. <laughs> uh, Joe, I hope you haven't lost your train of thought. Uh, what was I saying? ESMA, yes, ESMA. Um, yeah, they called uh, for the European Commission to expand uh, their scope of, of CSDR. And, I mean... I think this is about the right about the time where the most were expecting some kind of ruling or some kind of announcement about changes to the buying rules and ended up just asking for a wider scope to to include oversight of T two S and another third country uh, CSDs, namely probably the UK CSDs. Um, so yeah, it's still what what are we about eight eight nine months to go and. No, no, uh, nowhere near, or I don't think the industry is anywhere near knowing if they'll still have to do uh, buy-ins or not. So, yeah, who knows? That's standard for ESMA, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. What we need is uh, a dozen organisations to get together, associations, and write a letter to ESMA asking them to scale back the <laughs> <buying> rules. <laughs> It always works, right? <laughs> right in you for a night time. Um, yes, so don't mind your updates there. Um, great. Well, um, if there's no other updates or news. Well, 
I mean, I've been keeping an eye. I'm, I'm doing some work around cloud at the moment. I've been keeping an eye on the DORA um, Act, the Digital Operational Resilience Act that um, is, is at the EU level at the moment. Sort of keeping an eye on, on what's going on with that. And it's, I mean, it's quite dry, to be perfectly honest, yeah. but it's, it's all related to cybersecurity and uh, oversight of, of um, cloud operators, third-party service providers and all that stuff. So it just it, it's a lot of red tape, a lot more red tape coming, which is, is everyone should cheer about. Yay, just more red tape. <laughs> but um, I think it's, a lot of it's stemming from concerns about you know, outages as well. I mean, there's been lots of different discussions uh, among EU regulators about the number of outages we've had over the last um, year or so, which is, is, has been higher than normal. I don't know why that's happened, but it could be something to do with the pandemic, could be to do with ageing systems, could be a combination, or it could be cyber attacks. So I think there's a, there's a lot of sort of unknowns that the regulators getting a bit twitchy about. So they want to have everybody report everything. Um, and cybersecurity transparency is an interesting one because when you're transparent about these things, what does that do mm. to the market um, mm. is another important thing to think about, um, about how much you're being attacked or how frequently. It's actually incredible to think how much we hear about cryptocurrency regulation compared to things around cybersecurity, given how. <laughs> much more pressing the latter is yeah <clears throat> well at some point like Dora is interesting and at some point it's going to become a really big deal but it's so dry <laughs> it's hard to like, <laughs> but, like but at some point it's going to be like i honestly think it'll be like a gdpr in terms wow. of its sort of mm -hmm. reach when it's all said and done but it's really hard to follow where it is and try to figure out what the permutations look like but it is definitely something that you know, we've seen a spike in these sort of ransomware attacks and everything, so it might get more attention now, I suppose. Yeah, funny enough, you mentioned GDPR, actually. And another thing that the UK has, has come out and said is that they're going to do their own version of GDPR because <laughs> it's not complicated yeah. enough. We need to have our own version just, just to make matters worse. Good Lord. Yeah. I honestly think we're going to spend the next 10 years with the UK creating its own version of every single EU rule set with like frictional changes, but just making everyone's life a living nightmare to comply with. Hey, all I hear is that that's uh, podcast content, so. Well, yeah. It's true. I mean, again, I got rent to pay, so it's fine with me. <laughs> exactly. And, and what I love about all these amendments is there's always a bloody great big flag on the front of all of them as well. <laughs> like, right. Just to remind you that it's the UK. It's the UK coming out with it. <laughs> I've seen lots of comments about uh, the, the flag. I haven't, I haven't seen what you're talking about yet. But <laughs> is, it a, is it stock image use? Or... Yeah. I think so. Has to be. Brilliant. Well... We covered quite a lot today, which is fantastic, uh, as always. So thanks, everyone, for your thoughts uh, and input. Um, Virginia, uh, any updates from you on Firebrand? Yes, I've just done a mega piece of work on uh, post-trade uh, technology. So I'm, I'm sort of putting out some benchmarks on where people are spending across different asset classes. And I've had firms ranking how bad their coverage is of specific asset classes. Surprise, surprise, at the bottom come real assets and uh, things like real estate mm -hmm. and the, the like. And crypto <laughs> being poorly covered. So um, that should be coming out imminently. Ah, interesting. Um, and Sean, where can we find your work? Actually, it, it, we, it's moved recently. What? So I'm happy to go down. <laughs> securities, 
Security Services Insight has actually moved to uh, its new home on ICG on our ICG website, so icg.city.com. Um, so, amongst other things, you can find there. John is the the piece we work with you guys on about the the digital assets and security services industry. So it's an interesting survey out there on sort of industry appetite for digital assets. So strongly recommend people go check it out. Yeah, brilliant. You took me by surprise there. You, you normally have your exact same line. Uh, as always, you can find me. Yeah, I know, I know. What, so, yeah. Um, no, I've got I to change my pattern a little bit, keep you guys uh, keep you guys up on your toes, as you said. <laughs> Good. Well, I'm glad we asked then. So, uh, Joe, we've, uh, <laughs> Joe, we already mentioned leaders in custody from last week, but uh, looking forward, what else is on the, the GC horizon? Yeah, we've got a couple of events coming up. Um, so even well, even this week we've got a uh, an interesting one about uh, outsourced trading. We're looking sort of a follow up to uh, a documentary we did last year with that that partner, the Trade. Um, so that's very exciting. I've also got a another webinar um, coming up next Thursday, uh, where we partnered with um, FX Market Infrastructure CLS, and we're looking at um, FX assessment risks, and, and there's a, a, a good sort of reg, regulation angle to that as well. So. Could uh, it'll be very relevant for anyone who's uh, looking to, to listen in. Fantastic. Lots to look forward to. Well, as always, uh, thank you for listening. And do please leave us a five-star review if you like the show or get in touch with any feedback at any time or uh, any theme suggestions. But for now, Sean, Virginia and Joe, thanks all for your thoughts today. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You are listening to There's Always a Finreg Angle podcast from Global Custodian. Stream on Google and Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or catch up wherever you get your podcasts from.